Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Today is part two, New Real Estate Market Survival Plan. If you've not yet listened to the first part of this series, make sure you go and listen to those seven points as we presented the other day. Now, obviously, as the market continues to adjust, interest rates are going to continue to increase. We're seeing the inflation rate is continuing to increase. We're in uncharted waters. Well, guess what? You need to have a plan on how you're going to calm not just your nerves, but the nerves of your prospective buyers and sellers. And so the next points that we're going to be presenting to you are specifically designed to make it so that you know what could potentially be happening as part of the essentially quickly changing market and how you can be over prepared. So without any further delay, Julie, why don't we get to point number eight? Yes. So this is part two, point number eight, expect more appraisal issues in some markets. Now, yes, you can still negotiate appraisal gap clauses, but you need to be even more careful that the buyer can handle the difference because that gap is changing. Expect it to get bigger as the market shifts. Lenders are already tightening their requirements. And again, not all markets are going to shift the same way. You know, you've got to do this on a case-by-case basis. So be aware that appraisal issues are changing as well. Well, that's going to be a very complex issue for a lot of agents because they're not used to even having appraisals as being an issue, period. Right. Because in the past market, oftentimes the buyer had to waive their appraisal contingency and agree in writing to make up whatever the gap was if they mm-hmm. were getting a mortgage between whatever the, obviously uh, the appraisal was and the contract price. Those days are over. And so now what you're going to be having to deal with is a lot of psychology with regards to, frankly, on the seller side of things. And this all happens, this is the hardest time of a shifting market is when we're actually in this process of going from the old market to the new market because so many of these sellers, and you could see it with just looking in the MLS. If you go and look in your MLS, you're going to see a lot of price reductions happening, but they're not meaningful price reductions. They're $3,000, $5,000 price reductions, things that frankly aren't going to even move the needle in in a tiny way with regards to getting the property sold, which by the way, I'm going to give you guys a script right now for that. When you have a listing and you know the seller needs to lower the price by, let's say, you know, $50,000, something significant, $25,000. And sellers think it's their job, like to somehow negotiate with you, like you're the one that's buying the house. You know, it's crazy how some sellers think, but it's only because they're not experienced selling in a market like this. And so they too... Yes, we're still getting over uh, COVID. They too are very nervous about what's going to happen, you know, going forward. So yeah, they're nervous. They don't know how to position their house correctly in the market to reflect the market's expectations. Not much more than you do. And frankly, guess what? A lot of these appraisers are also not going to really know how to appraise things in a market like this. It's confusion all around. Welcome to the new real estate market. But but the moral of the story is when you're dealing with uh, sellers that are wanting to give you a small, meaningless price reduction, Here's an old script that many of you have never heard before, you know, this yeah. Mr. Seller, listen, I'd rather turn you down now for that price adjustment than let you down later when I have to come back to you for another, uh, you know, more significant price reduction. And the other problem, Mr. Seller, is if we don't make a significant price reduction or reposition the house on the market now so that we correctly reflect the market's expectations, 
if we don't adjust the price, reposition the house now, and we uh, with essentially one meaningful repositioning versus a bunch of small ones, it's really going to confuse the buyers. And the worst part is it's going to extend the days in the market. And the longer the house sits on the market, statistically, Mr. Seller, the less of the original list price it eventually will sell for. And again, these are all scripts you guys are going to need to learn. But really, if you will notice a lot of the scripts we've been sprinkling on you over the past really the month, they're less about the analytics of a CMA in the last sold comp. And they're more about the psychology of really, you know, this is the reason Julie and I say there's an art and science, an art and a science approach to being successful in real estate. And there's also, frankly, the, the art part, I think you'll argue, is the psychology part, because you're going to have to not just adjust your expectations as far as what it takes to be successful in this market, but also, again, your buyers and your sellers. And so it, this all goes back to having the scripts, knowing what to say, how to say them. You can learn them. I realize many of you have never had to learn any scripts because houses have been selling themselves. Buyers have been sort of materializing out of the ether for what more than 10 years now, wanting to buy a house, even if it's in bad condition, location, or price. But those days are over, and you're going to have to adjust accordingly. Point number nine. Point number nine, expect buyers to be more and more nervous. This will manifest itself in a shift towards their negotiating power if there are fewer offers on the same property. Inspections will start to matter again. Free seller leasebacks are drying up as well. So it's not so much that you're going to go lowball and you know get a house for your buyer for 20% less than list. That's not happening. Statistically, homes are still selling for 99.8% of list price, although that may be after a little price adjustment. The things that you can start negotiating more on are, you know, maybe you don't have to buy it as is anymore. Maybe the buyer gets to actually inspect it. Maybe there's no more free seller leasebacks. So remember that there's more to negotiating than just price. Well, in addition to that, there is in Premier Coaching a very specific drill down plan to working with buyers. Some of you, again, and I realized in the past market, this was frankly okay. It was easy, relatively speaking, to get someone qualified for a mortgage uh, and frankly, it was not difficult to motivate them because they wanted to buy something. But what you're going to discover in this market, there are specific, frankly, filters you're going to have to run all your buyers through before you choose to spend any time with them. Because what you need to learn how to do very efficiently is figure out which ones are actually buyers versus which ones are lookers. Because you're going, again, and if your only experience is this past seller's market, you're not going to have had to develop that skill set. But now you do. And what it's going to be is it's going to be a test to see how serious the buyer is. You're not going to want to work with a buyer that isn't basically 100% approved for their mortgage. Again, we teach you this in Premier Coaching. They have to have realistic expectations. But to Julie's last point, and this is really important as well, you cannot expect... Well, say, for example, if the buyer, uh, a buyer, if they show up in your life and they're saying things like, I'm looking for a deal or, you know, those types of um, those, those types of statements, you're going to have to learn how to really ask buyer that that buyer questions to know exactly what the heck they're talking about. For example, when a buyer says to you, I'm looking for a good deal, doesn't your mind naturally go to good deal, meaning really low price? Well, if you've not, if, if that's the assumption you made, you're then essentially going to be walking into a minefield and that buyer is not necessarily going to be on the same page as you. So what do I mean by that? Here's the script. Mr. Buyer, I appreciate the fact that you're looking for a good deal. I hear that a lot. What does a good deal mean to you? Now, what you'll discover when you ask that question, if assuming they're not an investor, is that in most cases, a good deal 
it's essentially location, condition. It's how soon they can move into the house. It's how, you know, all those types it's of things. Maybe sometimes now that they feel like they can buy something without having to compete or having to go over a list or having to buy as is, all the things that they have taken themselves out of the previous market because they didn't want to deal with. Getting, quote, a deal could be getting the house that they want at list price and being allowed to inspect it. Exactly. In a market like this, look at the average list to sell price ratio. It's still almost 100%. Yep. Now, that, what does that tell you? Okay. So open your minds to that. Now, if you ask the question, remember, this is how you're going to have to learn to work differently with buyers now. What a good deal means to you. And they say, I want to get a house for 25% or 30% less than list. Well, you probably don't want to work with that buyer, frankly. That's going to probably be a good old-fashioned waste of time because there's not going to be very many sellers that are really going to wholesale a house like that. And by the way, buyers like that have a tendency never to be loyal. They're working with every agent that they can possibly stumble across, always looking for that mystical unicorn you know, seller that wants to wholesale the house. And typically a nightmare while they're pending. Exactly. Right. And they, yeah, a hundred percent, or they're just a wholesaler. That's not wanting you to know that that's what they're doing and all kinds of things like that. Point being, you need to really develop your skills with working with buyers in this marketplace and really become very particular who you work with. Otherwise you're going to be spending your time working with a lot of folks who, you know, frankly, six months or 12 months ago may have been great buyers, but now they're not because everything's changing around them. You're going to have people who will become very nervous as, frankly, interest rates rise, or even if it means not a very significant amount in an additional payment. Or maybe there's going to be other things that are going to happen that's going to cause them um, to get jittery and take themselves out of the market. Again, goes back to your ability to do a really great job pre-qualifying. And ultimately, guys, the side of the business that you want to be focusing on your best energies on is becoming a listing agent. Because when you're working with sellers, you will, again, learn how to pre-qualify them at a high level, learn what their motivation is. And sellers who have the correct level of motivation, that motivation doesn't go away no matter what interest rates are going on, what the political situation is, what inflation is going on, what's going on over in the Ukraine or anything like that. Sellers that are motivated stay motivated and, if anything, get more motivated as the listing sits on the market. Buyers have a tendency to go the exact opposite direction. So we strongly suggest that if you're choosing where to put your efforts, you definitely focus on becoming a powerful listing agent. That is and always will be the primary focus of our coaching program. There are thousands of you joining our coaching program every single year. And why? Well, how about this? It's because it's designed for this market. It's coached by um, agents and frankly, our hair certified coaches who are experienced in this market. This is the leg up on the market that you need. This is the direction you've been searching for. And the best part is you can join for free. Text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier, P-R-E-M-I-E-R to 47372. Or just simply go to members.timandjulieharris.com. You can join Premier Coaching today. You will not believe all the things that we give you. It's the second you just text the word Premier to 47372. Remember when texting, message and data rates may apply. All right, point number 10, ask more questions and communicate nearly daily. A nervous market tends to make up stories and create drama when it's unnecessary. The stress is very real for your clients, so you've got to be the leader in the transaction. I'm going to give you a quick example of this right from a coaching call today. I was talking to uh, Renee in, in Tennessee, and so here's her deal. She's carrying eight active listings, which is fantastic, all with motivated sellers. These are all normal houses, no lots. But here's her challenge, and I, I know some of our listeners have the same challenge. 
talking to all eight of them every single week. What do you say? This is a hot topic in coaching right now. What do you say to a seller whose house has been on the market two or three weeks and showing activity is a little bit slow? We don't have any active offers going on. Well, one of the things that reinforced Renee's new commitment to talking to all eight sellers, plus, 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 because we're adding inventory every single week, was one of her sellers called her. And the seller said, you know what? I think it's time to adjust my price. She was shocked and amazed by this because that same seller had said, well, you know, if we sell it, we sell it. We're not really, you know, all that motivated when she took the listing. Point being, people's motivation changes as it takes a little bit longer. It can get, they can get more motivated or less motivated. You're not going to know if you're not talking with them all the time. Well, I'm sure uh, she's using our 12-week seller communication plan too. Absolutely. That was the topic of uh, last week's call. Yes. So what do you say? And again, Tim's alluding to something that we really drill down to in Premier Coaching. We're just going to give you the, the uh, top level version of it here. Seller's 12-week communication plan. So on the first week or two, it's pretty easy because you're talking about your pictures and staging and your first showings and open houses and checking the MLS. But, but after you, that, what do you talk about? Just so we're clear, it's literally a checklist for the first 120 days that you yes. have the house listed. And it's telling you or your assistant exactly what is supposed to be happening every single day with that seller. And the point is, is you are, if you're using our checklist, you're knowing what the seller is going to think, you know, weeks ahead of time before they think, because this plan is developed based on, I don't even know how many successful listings being sold at this point, you know, hundreds of thousands, I'm sure. And so sellers always hit the, the anxiety levels always essentially hit at the same time, no matter who the seller is and what or what price range. So what this plan is designed to do is to remove their fear before they even have manifested it. The fears are all going to be the normal things that any seller, you know, they, they will start to, as Julie said, they'll start to make up problems that don't exist. Maybe your pictures aren't good enough. How do I know all these lists? Can you give me a report on how many people viewed the house online, all the rest of it. So what the seller's 12 week communication plan does is it tells you exactly what to do and what what to say for the next uh, essentially four months, but also it's going to be it is designed to anticipate what they're going to be fearful of in the future, so you can remove that fear ahead of time. Well, remember the point is to be the listing agent when it actually sells. We have a little internal rule with our coaching clients: you guys aren't allowed to have expireds. You're only allowed to list other people's expireds. So don't let it happen to you. But that's the thing with our whole uh, premier coaching program: it's designed to make it so that there's less stress and, frankly, work for you. Yes. What we've done is we've essentially coalesced all the best elements of becoming a successful listing agent. And we've made it so that there's a series of checklists. Even I mean, we talk a lot about this, you know, the listing process. That's obviously where the whole game starts, right? Proactively generating, pre-qualifying, presenting, negotiating, and furiously fast lead follow-up. But after you take the listing, then what? Well, that's what the rest of the coaching program, frankly, what a lot of it focuses on. You guys want to talk about lead generation until the cows come home? Guess what? In a market like this, Finding leads is not going to be a challenge. Finding listing leads is not going to be a challenge. I gave you guys the example yesterday of the agent who insisted that there were no expireds in her market, the San Francisco barrier. And not only were they their expireds, but in the last six months alone, there were 5,000. And Julie and I did the math on how much commission it was just on the listing side based on um, whatever her prevailing rate was. 
and it was one million two or see um, one yeah it was over almost one hundred and thirty million dollars. Yeah, and that was just on the listing side. So not only were there a lot of listings, but there was obviously over a hundred million dollars of available commission that she could have been essentially having a, having a bite at had she been actually pursuing the expireds. So generating listing leads right now is not a difficult issue. Learning how to actually work with those prospective expireds, call those prospective expireds, get them to list with you, that's where the skills come in. But this is going to be for hopefully all of you listening, but I'm not delusional. I know, you know, I realize that some of you just aren't going to be able to or willing to do the real work of real estate. But for those of you uh, right now who are listening, over the next six to 12 months, it's going to be one of the greatest opportunities in the real estate industry that Julie and I have seen in probably the last 30 years, which is really drilling down and becoming a listing agent, specifically right now with expired listings. Why do I say that with such confidence? Here's why. Because there is a whole generation for the last 10 years of agents who've never learned how to proactively lead generate. You guys have normalized buying leads. That's all you know how to do. You do not actually know how to actually go after expires. When someone suggests that you market to expires, how many of you just think, well, I'll mail them letters. I'll mail them postcards. I'll find them on Facebook. None of you have yet to develop the skill set to actually, you know, proactively lead generate to that, uh, that expired. That is the opportunity. Because there are going to be thousands of them, as I just demonstrated. Already are. And there's not thousands of agents that know how to go after them. And I know all of you are saying, well, they get solicitations all the time from other agents. They're getting letters. Well, remember uh, about a month and a half ago about the agent that said all the letters were in the fireplace? Tell that story again. Yeah, I think this was from Sue in Wisconsin, if I recall correctly. She was, you know, in person at an expired's house talking to them about actually taking the listing. And the uh, seller, the homeowner, walks her over to the fireplace and said, hey, I, I want to show you something. And Sue was thinking, oh, what's this about? And she points to all this paper in the fireplace. This was letter after letter of agents who only sent letters, didn't call, didn't show up, didn't set an appointment, just thought the letter would do the work for them, which is now kindling. And guess what? Well, yeah, exactly. And guess what else? A lot of you are going to be suckered into believing that a sequence of letters or a sequence of postcards is some gonna how, somehow going to win the listing. You are not going to be successful chasing expires, in particular, or really any listing lead, doing it that way. Super passive. Because all it's going to take is one moderately skilled, right, mm -hmm. proactive lead generating agent to, like Sue, right, yeah. who just, you know, Julie just talked about, to actually have direct contact with that seller and then all those letter writing, uh, you know, essentially passive agents are, are toast or well, in this I, case, kindling. Yes, I have already heard from uh, Chris Leone in Chicago today. He spent probably an hour and a half on the phone, already has a listing appointment set up with a recently canceled listing. So, for example, those of you who are relying on letters and postcards, by the time they even get them, if they get them, they've already set up their appointments. The best ones, and when I say best, I mean you know, the sellers who actually have to sell, who knew they were expiring, that's why they've already got the appointments set up. By the time they get your letters, they're probably already relisted. Every time you and I talk about this, I am 100% confident what we're saying is correct because we've seen it happen. You know, we've seen agents follow our advice for the last 30 years. But here's the thing I always go to in my mind. I wonder how many agents right now, so there might be 15, 20,000 agents that will listen to this podcast today. I wonder how many of them right now are wrestling in their brains thinking that they're somehow going to get the opportunities to list houses from their branding yeah. or their logo or their agent website. You guys are absolutely 
100% missing the opportunity that's in the market right now? And why ultimately are you making the decision to try to do that passive stuff, hoping that someone's going to essentially call you out? Why are you believing that? Don't you intuitively know that you're going to get better results if you actually just you know, do what we're suggesting you do and you actually proactively contact a seller who obviously just you know failed at selling their house for reasons that you're usually... Uh, very easy to rectify and then you can get that listing and you can get that listing sold. Doesn't it just intuitively make sense that you go directly to someone who has their hand in their air saying, yes, I want to sell my house versus spending all your time making TikTok videos? I mean, it doesn't sense. make sense, does it? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, Think I, about I, it. Okay, let's, yeah. let's get on with our post. Right, so point sorry. number 11, the market is not about to crash. Stop wandering around in the real estate wild saying that. It may seem like a crash to you if you believe that 20 or 30 days on the market is the end of the world, <laughs> but this time is not like last time. Many agents, buyers and sellers, and even lenders were not even adults during the last time, you know, the crash of 2007 to 2009. The elements are not even remotely the same. Waiting to buy or sell because you think the market will crash is a mistake. Well, okay, so we were actually making fun of a CNBC headline two days ago, yes. which I still think is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, there was this headline that basically said, uh, Stan, what was it? Uh, Case Schiller, biggest price or biggest value drop and, you know, zombie apocalypse, Martian invasion and whatever, right? I mean, just it's some- the end of times. Exactly. It's the absolute horrible headline. And then when you actually read the article, uh, Diana Olak, who's a great writer, frankly, I guarantee you she did not write that no uh, the title to that article. Somebody else wrote it because as soon as you read the article, she's actually presenting the information in a factual, you know, frankly, honorable way. And the, uh, the essence of the article was, and I want you to think about what I'm about to tell you. And, and Julie, if I'm getting these numbers wrong, please correct me. Mm -hmm. But the July, well, basically the year-over-year -year appreciation on homes in the United States, on average, has been around 17%. Did yes. I get that right? Yes. And in the latest report, it was only 15 point something percent. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. If you right now were offered to buy a share of some company where you are going to, you know, put in a thousand dollars and you are going to be able to guaranteed 17, 15, you know, percent appreciation or increase in value in one year, you would say, yes, please. How many uh, shares have said? More. Yes, exactly. And yet somehow the market wants to bemoan or believe that the market's crashing because the rate of inflation or appreciation on homes is not, you know, what it was, say, 60 days ago. Who cares? Are you guys kidding me? Now, here, I want to also put this in perspective. Well, by the way, we've done a whole bunch of podcasts on why there's not going to be a real estate crash. Go back and listen to those. You obviously can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. Go back and listen to it on YouTube. One of our you know, most listened to podcasts because we've revisited this subject more than uh, twice now because as more information comes available, we're obviously going to keep it updated so you guys will have the latest information. But here's latest information uh, in preparation for us uh, presenting that information again probably in the next month or two. Here it is. Ready? The inflation rate is increasing. The inflation rate now, and you guys may have read about it today, has actually increased even more. That means the inflation on homes is going to increase even more. That means if you want to, you know, it's not the same word, but a lot of in real estate brains, this one, you'll understand it easier. The appreciation on real estate is going to continue to increase by realistically six, seven, eight percent per year. That is what is actually taking place right now. When you look at the actual 
um, inflation rate across the board, real estate, along with everything else, is going to continue to inflate. Again, use the word appreciate if you'd like, but it's going to continue to inflate. And so what does that mean? How can there be a housing crash when values are increasing? How can there be a house? Okay, so you want to tell me there's going to be some sort of housing correction just because housing isn't inflating or appreciating by 15 to 20%. If it only drops down to 10%, boo hiss. Yeah. I, mean, I want you guys to really think about how much BS there is associated with a lot of the people that are trying to get you to believe there's going to be some sort of housing correction. And I've seen this happening with the people that want to sell you the distressed real estate, distressed property information. I'm seeing people who are trying to beat the drum about some big return of short sales. Bullshit. The number of homes that were actually, um, if you look at the statistics, the peak of the market arguably was basically the first six months of this year, okay? And if you look at the number of mortgages that are actually out there that are not, uh, that were essentially adjustable rate mortgages, it, I believe it was a 250,000 or it something. It was almost nothing. It was basically nothing. And so most everybody has massive equity in their property. You will not be dealing with short sales as long as people have massive equity in their property. And if the property is going to continue to inflate in value because of the fact that the inflation rate's there, explain to me how sellers are going to go upside down. And yet there's people that are trying to get you to buy a designation to learn how to do short sales. Now, with that said, you might be in a market where there's a confluence of bad news that's happened. I don't know where this would be, but I'm sure maybe someplace in the United States this is true. There might be big layoffs. There might be, I mean, honestly, I don't even know. I, I don't have maybe to some very isolated situations. Yeah, but okay. So very isolated cases where there might be very small, you know, numbers of homes or owners that only put down 5%, bought a house earlier this year. Uh, the employment situation in that particular community has somehow completely reversed. Nobody's moving there. Everyone wants to move out. They only had 5% equity, so now they're upside down. Okay, there we go. I just created this sure. this basically impossible situation. But that could happen. But for the most of the most part for the country, there is no reduction in values in a meaningful way. There are reductions in asking prices. Who cares? Well, don't forget that 50% of homeowners don't even have a mortgage. Exactly. You can't default on something you don't have. <laughs> Just saying. But I, again, Julie, I, I, know, I it, know. it's frustrating, to be honest with you. It is. Because it's, if all you did was read headlines and scan through posts like that, you would think that it was a housing zombie apocalypse. Well, I, uh, the, I, so I know it's not politically correct in any way to use, you know, words that actually mean what they're, what they're designed <laughs> what they to mean, intended. right? Okay. So when I hear and I see things that are happening uh, that are designed, they're lying basically. Yes. There's lying that's happening in the marketplace right now to support some agenda. And it might just be somebody that's wanting to sell something. Okay. I mean, they're trying to sell a designation for learning how to do short sales. Okay. At least we know what that's all about. But that some of these other headlines that you're reading are absolutely politically motivated. And I mean that in the literal sense. They're politically motivated. They want you to think this way or that way for whatever particular reason. You've got to become your own best guru or expert. Otherwise, you're just going to be constantly in the manipulation blender. And that means you're not going to be able to be a very good service provider to your prospective buyers or sellers. Well, it also makes you very much demotivated. You yeah, know? exactly. That's why agents say things like, well, why would I want more listings when I don't know if I could sell them because the housing crash and this and that. Okay, so be careful what you're saying to yourself as well as what you're selling to other people. Well, you just t you just really said the essence of it. If you don't believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today, what do you do today? 
Do you actually like, do you work as hard as you otherwise would have? Do you do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it? Uh, if you don't believe tomorrow is going to be better than today, you don't even work out, right? You guys get the point. So if you don't believe your tomorrows, plural, are going to be better than your yesterdays, your behavior now completely changes. And so if you're allowing yourself to believe that, your future self is going to suffer. 12 months from now, 12 years from now, you're going to look back and you're not going to know why the hell your life went to essentially hell in a handbasket in, you know, maybe small ways, but maybe many, many, many small ways that, it, you know, compounded has equaled something significant. We have seen that happen. If you live long enough, you'll see that happening. Hopefully that's not happening to you. If it is, stop the cycle. If it is, start taking the actions necessary to stop the cycle. You know where it's not happening is on our Facebook Live private coaching sessions. None of those agents that are in our coaching program come to that session on a daily basis with woe is me complaints. No. You know what they talk about? I just took a listing. I think it's priced right. What do I do next? What's my action step? Or how can I find the 12-week seller communication plan? What's this thing I've heard about buyer mastery? Buyers are getting a little bit more squirrely to work with. I need some help and some scripts. That's the kind of thing that happens in our coaching program on a daily basis. You are surrounded by like-minded, highly motivated head screwed on straight agents and coaches. Now, not all of them come to the uh, premier coaching with their, essentially that mindset, but when they, and you can see them, sure. I mean, they, they won't participate. They'll just they'll observe, hover they'll hover for a while. And then you can see that the switches start getting flipped in their brains and they start realizing that the highest and truest purpose where they're the happiest, frankly, where they're making the most money mm -hmm. is when they're being of service to other people. And then they're realizing that the greatest opportunity they may have had in their entire adult lives is right now because they're so, there's such a dearth of information, agents with skill sets, people that know actually how to solve other people's problems. And we've been talking a lot about expireds because we think it's the greatest opportunity in real estate right now. But the simple fact is, is an expired owner is nothing other than somebody who desperately needs your help. That's what they are. And you're not going to be able to help them unless you actually proactively lead generate to them, know what to say, know how to solve their problems. Develop the skill set and the world will open itself up to you in ways you, you can never, it's almost unfathomable how much more of an amazing life you can have when you allow yourself to become the best version of yourself as a real estate professional. Well, it is a secret power at the end of the day. It gives you a lot of confidence. So point number 12, rates will continue to climb and then stabilize higher than you're used to or want them to be. However, they will still be at historic low rates, even when they land six to 7% range. Get your knowledge updated about adjustable rate mortgages, buy down, seller financing, and other alternatives to the traditional 30-year fixed. Also realize that today's 30-year fixed rate is still going to be better than tomorrow's or next month's rate. I just did a bunch of research this morning on this. There are, and you know, if I were to call some of our listeners and ask them to explain this, it worries me a little bit. Do you guys know, and I'm going to do a podcast series about this, what a 3-1 arm is, what a five-year adjustable is, a seven-year. Do you know there's a 10-year adjustable rate mortgage now? Do you know how to do a rate buy-down? Okay, with all that said, I wouldn't do any of those adjustable rate mortgages. I wouldn't. If I, had a, if, if I were still selling real estate, I don't care if the interest rate's higher, I would tell them to do a 30-year fixed rate mortgage and buy the rates down if they have to. I would absolutely positively- Lock it in is better. I would absolutely positively not counsel anybody to do an adjustable rate mortgage 
for the reasons that Julie just said. Chances are when that mortgage comes for um, essentially what happens after three years or two years or five years or seven years, it adjusts to whatever the market rate is. I There's, kind of like the 10 on that thing because if you think you're going to move in five to seven years or you can refinance then, the 10-year adjustable might make sense. I, Julie, I wouldn't even do it then and I'll, and I'll tell you why because chances are – when, depending on price point, obviously, sure. a lot of the mortgages that people are going to be taking out now, a lot of the houses that people are going to be selling and buying right now are going to be incredible long-term buy and holds. Mm -hmm. And if you have a long-term buy and hold with a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, you don't have to worry about that rate adjusting. And remember, someone can always refinance out of a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Of course, they can refinance out of an adjustable rate mortgage as well, make sure there's no prepayment penalty. But at the end of the day, if the inflation rate or the appreciation rate on the real estate, on the home that they're buying, in almost all cases, and you guys can do the math on this yourself, will be greater than whatever the cost of the loan is, whatever the PITI is times mm -hmm. 12, you know, minus maybe a roof or something. But the reality of it is, is buying a house now because of the inflation or, or again, appreciation rate is still going to outpace the cost of owning the home, even at, say, 7%. This is true. And again, we, we've done the math for you guys on this before, but people need to be clear about that. And we last, I won't do it again right now because I don't have my notes in front of me and I don't want to screw it up. But the way we figured this before is if you buy a half million dollar, if you have a half million dollar uh, mortgage, even with rates as, as, as they are right now, when you take into consideration the inflation rate or the appreciation rate on that house, the house's complete carrying cost is basically covered by the inflation or the appreciation. Plus, plus quite a bit. Exactly. Versus renting where you know it's 100% interest, right? Exactly. It's 100% loss. And by the way, if you don't think rental rates are going to go up, you are crazy because what happens is as the uh, essentially property values increase because of inflation or appreciation, uh, what's going to happen is the property taxes increase. What's going to happen is the overall carrying cost of the house are going, is going to increase. So what's going to happen is the rents are going to increase. Rents na nationwide, if I remember correctly, in the last 12 months or so have gone up by something like 20 or 25%. Yes. You think that the rates on the rental rates are going to continue to increase. And the scarcity of rentals is real as well. It's the same as the low inventory of listings. That's true with available houses to lease as well. Okay, so point number 13, always have the strongest lender letter when you are representing the buyer, assuming they're getting financing. It's not good enough to just be pre-approved. Your buyer needs to be under loan approval, pending just the identification of the property and possibly appraisal, but nothing else. Have your lender call the listing agent and speak not just about their pre-approval, but state that their ratios, their credit, their employment, their down payment have been verified and are adequate for the purchase of that home at that price. All right. So Premier Coaching members, write this down. Do this urgently on the Premier site. There's something called the ultimate addendum. It was originally designed uh, at, from a listing agent's perspective, but I want you to get that ultimate addendum and use it for the sake of making sure you're only working with buyers that are actually approved for loans. I respectfully listeners, I know many of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So you definitely want to get the ultimate addendum. There cannot be, uh, if you accept a lender's letter for your buyer, or if you're a listing agent, you accept a lender's letter for a co-op buyer and it's subject to anything other than the appraisal of the house, you've made a mistake. And I promise you, many of you, all of you are making the mistakes of accepting a frank, essentially Very boilerplate stuff, I, boilerplate, half-ass, not really completed uh, lender letters yes. from buyers who, once they're in underwriting, will blow themselves out because they, for some reason, don't actually qualify. Okay, get this. I mean, you know, I was researching rates earlier today. 
There are many websites where you can go on. These are lender websites, a lot of them the bigger, you know, the ones that advertise all the time. And it literally says, get my pre-approval letter, click here. Right, okay? of And course. you know what it does? You just enter, you could completely 100% make up whatever it was. You could say you make a gajillion dollars a year and your ratios are spectacular and your credit is 900, right? You can do all of that. And at the end, it spits out a boilerplate lender letter. That way you can go buy a house, right? So if it looks very, um, you know, kind of not a lot of information on it, it looks very standard issue, probably nothing has been verified yet. Premier coaching members use the ultimate addendum, use it to when receiving a co-op on from a, you know, a buyer co-op, make sure you're making sure that the buyer's agent has actually done their job, probably have not. So there's the ultimate addendum, we'll save your bacon. And if you're working with a buyer, use the ultimate addendum to make sure whoever the lender is that they're actually working with is not just being a lazy lender. And the lazy lender uh, is, you know, frankly, most of the lenders out there, God bless you guys, but a lot of you do not have a clue how to get a loan done in a market like this because you've been riding on the refinancing wave and you've never had to actually work with retail buyers. That's why the reason that all these big mortgage companies, guys, they're shedding loan officers like, you know, I mean, something that sheds something fast, right? I know. Yeah, Larissa told me yesterday, she said, never in my life have I been called by so many lenders wanting to take me to lunch. Exactly. Well, so, you know, she starts stacking those up. I, I said it was Larissa's uh, free lunch program. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So number 14, knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear. So monitor your beliefs during a market shift. Are they based on facts or are they based on conjecture? Know what's happening in your own backyard by watching your MLS hot sheets, reading your board of realtors monthly reports, and staying tuned in to your favorite podcast. That's this one. That's this one, by the way, in case you're curious what your favorite podcast is. Yes. (laughs) How do we know? Because this continues to be the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. All right. So what were, what was our intent of doing this uh, two-part podcast series? Educate you, motivate you. Now what you're supposed to do, get you into action. How many of you actually know what actions to take? Well, you know what? I know all of you know what actions to take, but how many of you actually are going to do it? That's really where the rubber meets the road. That's where you start determining what your future is going to be like. You right now are going to decide exactly what your future is going to be like, what your, the quality of life you're going to have, what your, frankly, you know, a lot of health problems are related to financial problems, all of that. You can do something right now with the decisions you're making, with how you're going to allocate your time. Stop fooling yourself into doing all this passive, goofy marketing stuff, thinking that somehow that's going to work at the level in which, frankly, a lot of you have been led to believe it will. It doesn't. It never has. If you're in business long enough, you know, for a few decades, you'll see a lot of these gimmicky marketing things, they come and they go. Social media, it's on the going part of the, co- uh, of the conversation now. Here's another one. How many of you have been told to create a whole bunch of video content? Well, guess what's happening now? It's oversaturated. There's too many people creating video content. There's too many people right now, agents in particular, but not just agents, a whole bunch of different people, investors and everything else that have created real estate content. That means when you go on and you start creating all these videos, your videos won't get any views. You're not going to get any leads from that. And so you go back to your YouTube video content marketing branding guru, and what are they going to tell you to do? Well, now you're supposed to just act even more like a a non-professional lunatic to get more attention on video. You're supposed to do singing and dancing. All of a sudden you find yourself being some sort of, you know, carnival freak just to try to get people's attention so they'll watch your videos. Is that why you got into real estate? 
And then they're just going to change the rules on you again anyway. And that's exactly, uh, I was listening to something this morning about TikTok and TikTok is pernicious at the very least. They're absolutely doing some stuff that will most likely result in TikTok getting banned from the United States. It almost happened before. Mm -hmm. TikTok is owned by the Chinese government. TikTok is absolutely uh, doing stuff that, frankly, other social media companies that are U.S.-based would never do because it's illegal. And so what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of these platforms, and I'm giving you an extreme example, that'll just completely disappear. That'll be TikTok. And there's been others like that before, Vine and all these others. We talk about this a lot on the podcast. You know, and then here's another one. Instagram. How many of you for years have been putting really nice pictures on Instagram maybe real estate related. You were told you're supposed to build your brand on Instagram. Instagram is going to be your platform. And now Instagram for, you know, reasons to be competitive has have now decided to put all their, that all the value and essentially the algorithm is now uh, giving preference to short videos, but all your pictures on Instagram are still videos, which means they're not going to get shared through the algorithm. Oh, I got even more than that. How many of you were told you need to be YouTube influencers? YouTube stars. Okay, well, guess what? You create all these long form, beautiful, great videos. You hired somebody to do it. They charge you thousands of dollars. You just knew sometime in the future, you're going to have all these amazing YouTube videos out there. After all, that's your brand. Your brand is this, you guys get it. You've been, you've stumbled across these, you know, people that sell this information to you and you guys, probably many of you have actually believed it. But guess what YouTube did? YouTube now has said, hmm, guess what? Seems that people want to listen or watch very short videos. Now that's called YouTube Shorts. So guess what's happening? YouTube now is through their algorithm promoting YouTube Shorts. A YouTube Short is something that's a minute or less. And it's a very, frankly, simple video to make. It's easier to make content using a YouTube Short. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be edited. They are going to continue to change the algorithm. So for all of the agents over the last 10 years who believe they're supposed to be creating, you know, you hear people say things like become the mayor of your community online, things like that. Well, okay, conceptually, I get it. But ultimately, why would you be doing all of that if at the same time you could have flipped on your computer, you could have gone to your MLS, you could have done all a search for all the expired withdrawals, temporarily off the markets, etc., and just proactively contacted those sellers. Why would you have done all this branding stuff if you could have just gone directly to the prospective sellers? It doesn't make sense, does it? So here's, I think, um, a middle ground, right? Do the proactive lead generation. Do the actual direct contacts to the sellers. Do the actual work of real estate. And if you want to do the passive social stuff with the idea that maybe it'll reinforce the proactive stuff, go for it. But do not do it the opposite or do not do the passive stuff thinking that it's going to replace the real work of real estate. That's what this market demands. It will not suffer agents who think that they can essentially fake influence their way to essentially, you know, getting the listing. It won't work like that. Everything is changing. Now, you might still be experiencing the very peak or the remainder, the remaining bits of the hot seller's market. Good for you. Your Job now is to realize the market's going to change in a meaningful way faster than you think. So your next step forward is to clear your mind, realize that you can be successful no matter what direction the market's going. You can be successful no matter, frankly, what interest rates are, what the political situation is, what the hot topic in real estate is. You can be successful forever no matter what. You just have to adjust your approach. That's really, at the end of the day, what this market all is all about. And you're going to see within 6 to 12 months 
you're going to see new agents, maybe agents, I mean, in the literal sense, new agents, but also agents that you didn't even, weren't even aware that were in the market, start taking more listings, start getting more market presence, start actually becoming the most successful agents in the marketplace. What's happened? They didn't wait. They actually took action. They listened to this podcast and they realized, well, I see the greatest opportunity in front of me is chasing expires in this particular market or, you know, whatever, frankly, there's going to be a whole bunch of other opportunities as well. That is the approach to taking real estate now. Please do not be passive. Please do not essentially wait for the market to return to the way it was. It won't. Your homework from today's podcast is obviously become a Premier Coaching member. Text the word Premier to 47372 or go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Remember, in texting, message and data rates may apply. For those of you in Florida, um, those of you who are suffering from Hurricane, what's it called? Ivan? Ian. Ian. We pray for you. Um, you know, obviously, this is a very challenging time for a lot of Americans. Do not allow politics to obscure the empathy and the sympathy for your fellow humans. Do not allow political agendas to in any way uh, make you not realize that there's people that are genuinely suffering. And if you're in one of those markets, listen to the podcast we did yesterday. If you're outside of one of those markets, think about how you can actually make a contribution to help those people. Again, do not allow your humanity to be co-opted by politics. Incredibly important. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the podcast tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.